Welcome to the Stefan Levira Podcast. Welcome, podcast listeners. This is Stefan Levera Podcast, episode 28. And my guests today are Francis Pouliot and Etienne Larive from Satoshi Portal and CypherNode. So, welcome and thanks for coming on, Francis and Etienne. Thank you, Stefan. Thanks a lot. Yeah, that's it's great to get you guys on. I've I've seen uh, some of your social media work, Francis and Etienne. I've had a look through uh, the CypherNode GitHub project, and you know I've heard a bit about this project, and I thought it would be a really good um, thing to discuss on the podcast because it's very in line with the whole Bitcoin ethos. This whole idea of you know don't trust, verify, and you know you know not your keys, not your coins, as we say in Bitcoin. Um, so you know what, maybe we'll, we'll start, if you guys could just tell us a little bit about yourselves, a little bit about Satoshi Portal. Yeah, Etienne, you want to start? Okay, I can. <laughs> so I'm uh, Etienne Lairive. I've been developing software for the last like 25 years. And um, I used to uh, to work for uh, for major uh, companies like uh, banks or, uh, you know, here in Quebec, there's a Hydro-Quebec uh, or... Uh, uh, that is uh, responsible for uh, ex- electricity here in Quebec, um, and I've been in the in the Bitcoin uh, um, uh, field like for f- four or five years. Um, it's uh, it's a rabbit hole, like everybody says, and uh, I fell off in there and there, and I'm still trying to get out of there, but I won't uh, get out of there, I guess. So. Um, that's it for me. All right. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, my name is uh, Francis Pouillot. I'm the I'm the founder and the CEO of uh, Satoshi Portal, and uh, and it's in is our is our Bitcoin uh, engineer at, at Satoshi Portal. Uh, so, uh, so so it's in it's in works with me there uh, in our Montreal office. So uh, I, I founded Satoshi Portal um, almost uh, four years ago. Um, the the kind of context of of what we do. So our 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 goal and our mission is to uh, to build the financial and software infrastructure for the Bitcoin standard. And uh, um, I started out in Bitcoin uh, at the Bitcoin Embassy, which was like a physical hub. Um, you can kind of think of it like as a mix of a coin center, uh, where we did like lobbying and PR and uh, reaching out to journalists and uh, publishing research and stuff. Um, and also like uh, an Apple store because we had a physical office and people would come in um, and like we would do workshops and, the, uh, and and those kind of things. And eventually we also opened a, a currency exchange counter there uh, where people would like buy and sell Bitcoin and we had ATMs and that kind of stuff. So we started to build like this, this, this software to automate our OTC brokerage. Um, and then in 2015, I launched Satoshi Portal. Um, which uh, owns and operates uh, on-ramp and on-ramp, on, sorry, on-ramp and off-ramp like apps. Like uh, our, our major uh, product and service is uh, Bills. So Bills allows Canadians to um, uh, pay their bills with Bitcoin, uh, very simply, and uh, third-party uh, uh, invoices, like your rent, your credit cards, your electricity and that kind of stuff. Um, so we're a payment processor. We're Canada's first and largest. Bills has existed since uh, 2013. Uh, it was founded by uh, one of the Bitcoin Embassy founders, and uh, Satoshi Portal uh, uh, bought it in 2015. Um, and we also operate a uh, an OTC online OTC service called Bitcoin Outlets, where people they 
um, buy Bitcoins online. Um, they link their bank account, they send fiat, and uh, we send Bitcoins to their to their wallet, um, to their own wallets. So we we're, we're OTC brokers, but we also build um, these these software stacks and suites. Everything that we own uh, and use uh, in our services, we build ourselves. Uh, so we have a, a, a development team of, of, of four. Of four. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's that's for the background of of what I did. So I started out kind of like as a educator and a public uh, public person um, to to get the regulators on board, um, to get the financial institutions uh, on board, um, and then uh, we kind of realized that uh, there was still these these frictions. Like the Bitcoin standard could not happen if it wasn't easy for people to really get in and out. And since we had so much proximity to the end user. We were like, well, let's you know, let's let's just build it, right? So the we were dissatisfied with kind of the the standards, uh, the level of standards in the industry, and we said, uh, well, let's just build. You know, we have higher standards. Uh, we have different uh, uh, methodologies, different approaches. Um, you know, you don't want to, you can't complain about Coinbase. I mean, this isn't a democracy. You know, you can't vote for which exchange or which uh, uh, which uh, approach to Bitcoin. Is the one that the users adopt. You know, you have to just build it and convince people to come. So that's that's kind of what we're trying to do. Yeah, I like the idea that you guys are really trying to build and take accountability rather than just sort of sit there throwing stones. You're actually going out there to try to make a project that helps people be more self-reliant and use Bitcoin in the way it was intended to be used. Now, one of that, one of those examples is the Cypher node. Uh, project, which you know, I wanted to get you guys to talk about. So maybe you guys want to just give the listeners an overview on what the Cipher Node is. Okay, sure, sure. Uh, uh, I'll start, and then uh, uh, Etienne is the lead developer of Cipher Node, uh, so Etienne can uh, take over. Um, and when we talk about more specifically, like what it actually is from a technical and real point of view. But the, the concept of CypherNode, CypherNode is an open source project, first of all. Um, it's uh, it's uh, financed and uh, built and maintained by, by us at Satoshi Portal. Um, but we have uh, uh, outside contributors uh, now that we're going to talk about that a bit later, but that are contributing. So um, it's, a, it's a Bitcoin full node API that's open source. So it's a microservices API server. Um, and it's a utilities toolkit to build applications, to build Bitcoin applications. Um, and the kind of features and approach that we have is to build, you know, modular, scalable, secure um, uh, Bitcoin backends without any trusted third party. So in order to kind of understand like what it is and what it's useful for, let's kind of we can kind of look at quickly what's the alternative and what are people using and why we're proposing this to the market. So, you know, when we when we started out and built bills the first time, um, we didn't even have a, a, a Bitcoin engineer. We had we had nothing. We just uh, we just had this uh, PHP site, and we literally would would enter in the admin panel like hundreds of Bitcoin addresses that it would just like cycle through. And believe it or not, in the first year and a half, two years of bills, we would check them manually. In a in a in a block explorer like daily, we would just check those those Bitcoin addresses to see if we had received something. Um, and then obviously we like all the 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 other Bitcoin startups. Like when you scale and you you hire development teams, 
um, what you'll do is you'll use uh, uh, any service that uses Bitcoin, like an online wallet, a payment processor, a checkout, any app that's interacting with Bitcoin needs to, to have some connection to the Bitcoin network to know when it's received money, for instance, or to broadcast transactions. So people use third-party APIs um, like blockchain.info, blocker.io, Coinbase, BitPay, uh, BlockCypher, and BitGo. These are, these are basically software as a service companies. Um, and you connect your app to these things via uh, an application programming interface. And you basically use it to generate Bitcoin addresses, to send, to receive notifications of payment, and to control um, some online wallets to, uh, for example, process withdrawals to users. So these, these third-party software-as-a-service companies are Bitcoin nodes as a service. They're, 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 they're peer, network peers as a service. Um, and when you're developing like a web application, um, this is really useful and it's really easy. Um, if, you're, if you're a software developer and uh, you uh, have a mandate to uh, do like a checkout for Bitcoin or something or uh, integrate the blockchain, timestamping, um, whatever, whatever it is that you want to use Bitcoin for, um, you're going to look for these, these APIs because that's, that's what's easy. And the, the difficulty of using Bitcoin Core directly is very big. Um, usually, if you're building a Bitcoin app, you'll have to use multiple software libraries and other apps. Like, you know, you have Bitcoin, you have Lightning, for example. People are using Lightning Charge. Then you have like BTC Pay Server. Then people are using uh, Bitcoin JavaScript to to create like uh, invoices um, and and some stuff on the on the in the browsers. Then they use a hardware wallet. You're using a, a lot of different components, and it's it's just much easier for people that don't really know the ethos of Bitcoin to to do that. Um, so CypherNode is a, is an alternative to that uh, to these to these third party APIs. And what it, it is, is basically we open sourced their business model, their, their backends. So when you are a, a third party, when you're an app and you want to integrate Bitcoin, you don't know, you don't control what's in the backend of the API. You just like your app is just asking them to do stuff, but you don't know what's going on in the backend. Um, so what we did is, uh, is we know how we knew how these things work. We integrated uh, in Satoshi Portal. Uh, after, after all those years, I mean, probably like 10 of these, uh, we, have, we have a pretty good experience of, of what this is and we built APIs ourselves. So we said, let's just open source it and, and do it. So, um, so it's, that's what it is, essentially. It's, a, it's a, your own blockchain.info server, essentially, that uh, you're running on your own machine that you deploy yourself um, and that uh, you, your app or whatever uh, can outsource all sorts of complex Bitcoin functions. So, um, yeah, and, and it's in, um, uh, uh, Stefan, you have any questions on, on me before it's in kind of moves on to the, to like what it is technically? Uh, actually, one other thing might be good to ask was just around, do you see, so you mentioned how it's common to use APIs with sites like blockchain.info. Yeah. Do you see any security risks or centralization risks around this common process? Yes, absolutely. So um, that's the motivation behind uh, us doing that and us 
um, you know, taking a lot of our time and, uh, and a lot of, uh, you know, financial and human resources is that we really believe that there is a, a, a big problem in Bitcoin. It's just kind of like an elephant in the room. And that is, a, a, I, I believe, is, is a huge risk uh, attack vector. It's, it's probably the biggest, in my opinion, to Bitcoin. And it is. So when I was in Riga, I, I did a speech and I, I had this, uh, uh, this, this, this schema, this chart, uh, this illustration, which shows that what makes Bitcoin, uh, the features of Bitcoin that are desirable and scarce are the result of this decentralization because all the nodes are verifying the integrity of the blockchain of the rules themselves. So the kind of, um, you know, integrity of, of Bitcoin is, is at the edges, is at the peer level. Um, and that what, that's what makes Bitcoin immutable. For instance, you know, immutability in Bitcoin is not a, is not a feature in the code. That's, that's, it's not software. It's because everybody's validating himself, the rules in the chain. Um, and same thing for the immutability of the rules. And, you know, for instance, why is there a 21 million Bitcoin limit? It's because nodes are enforcing this rule. Um, and that's, that's, that's what makes Bitcoin scarce. That's, that's the features of Bitcoin. They're not in the code. It's the nodes enforcing the rules, which make the network. And the more nodes and the more decentralized. Um, and, you know, it became apparent, most of all, when it came to SegWit activation and protocol changes. So that, that was the genesis of us launching CypherNode. Um, I don't want to talk too long because I've, I've been talking for a while, but I can tell you a little bit um, about uh, how it launched, like how, it, how we got the idea through UASF. Um, and that's when we realized that it's at that point that we realized that all the other startups were using third-party APIs is because when we wanted to, to do UASF, um, we, we actually committed to it. Like we, we, we were going to do it. We were going to go on that chain. And we realized that none of the third-party APIs uh, were were offering UASF nodes, so we had to to build our replacements ourselves. And when we did our advocacy, and when we started to do a lot of research, and and uh, you know, I took basically like five months off, like just for UASF and SegWit during that time. Like I was just flying to conferences, trying to you know trying to get SegWit happen. And we really realized like it was about, in my opinion, ten or twelve companies that were, you know, validating 90%, I think, probably of all transactions. Either they were um, explorers like blockchain.info or wallets or toolkits or exchanges or white label solutions. Um, so I don't, I don't think they fully realized this themselves, but in terms of enforcing the rules and activating new rules, for example, like these 12, 10 or 12 companies like Coinbase, BitPay, et cetera, they do have a lot more power than they should because the theory of, of the game, the game theory of Bitcoin and the shelling point relies on the idea that everybody's enforcing the rules and you can change and switch. And uh, if the, if the users want it more than others, they can, you know, the equilibrium would go in the market, right? So if, if there's different rule sets, uh, ultimately the one that will have demand will dominate and the other ones will will follow there. But it relies on the idea that, that people are moving from one change to another freely. Well, in reality, since they're all relying on these third parties, it's it's the third parties themselves 
like those APIs, those those services, those Bitcoin nodes as a service businesses that are deciding. And it's not easy to switch. The cost, like to rebuild your app around a new your own Bitcoin core node is is really difficult. Um, so so it's skewing, I think, um, the the consensus equilibrium that that these companies have uh, so much power. Um, and the only thing we can do is to reduce the cost of running the node and to increase the convenience of running your own node software, um, so that there's really no excuse. And it's kind of the same philosophy also as uh, BTC Pay, which is to just kind of copy like the API model. Like how do how do how do people integrate BitPay right now uh, from a, or and the merchants? Um, in our case, it's more we don't do a business logic. We we just do the the kind of Bitcoin and crypto functions. But still, we we look at how the the startups use these APIs and we replicate it. And uh, yeah, so that's the idea. So the, the 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 our mission is to make it easier for people to run nodes because we know that uh, even you know some people told me uh, Bitcoin you know really smart Bitcoin uh, uh, you know uh, leaders prominent people um, that there's no such thing as externalities in Bitcoin and that um, other people's behavior is is meaningless because it's anti fragile and. And uh, uh, for example, if if people are not running their own nodes, it's their own problem. Um, we have, you know, we can just run ours and we'll be fine. Well, that may be true philosophically, like in the long term, like in a in a in a view of like a century or something like that. But um, if, for example, there's uh, another fork, for example, or or if uh, um, these companies decide that we don't want this new privacy feature uh, to get into Bitcoin, then we're going to have a lot of disruption. It's, it's not a good thing. So this this possibility must not even exist. And the the, the, the last point um, is that I saw in person that it's really hard for consensus to emerge organically, which is good, right? It's hard for the, the whole Bitcoin ecosystem migrate to a new set of rules. Um, I think that would happen, for example, if there was a technical issue with Bitcoin, like an, up, an update or uh, a crypto function being broken or something, or for example, SegWit, or uh, if it ever becomes necessary to change the format of the blocks one day. Um, but it's it should be really hard uh, to do, and that's really good. But what's not hard to do, uh, because and the reason why it's hard is because Bitcoin's anonymous, and although we coordinate on Twitter and everything, uh, uh, it's it's kind of hard for for the whole network of nodes to just spontaneously agree on a new set of rules. Whereas it is not hard for 15 to 20 companies to meet in a hotel room and to sign an agreement. That's not hard at all. That, that, that's been done in the past. I've been at those, at those meetings and, you know, I, I didn't like what I saw, which was, you know, people kind of, um, you know, not explicitly saying they're deciding for the Bitcoin network, but acting just as if. Um, and making decisions. So uh, yeah, so so that's 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 what we're trying to avoid, and that's the the whole idea of investing in this thing is to ultimately, you know, increase the value of our bitcoins for one, uh, because you know just as when Segwit was activated, the price of Bitcoin went from two grand to twenty grand. You know, right after you know we understand that 
the value of of our investment of our holdings in Bitcoin, uh, which is you know we, which is why we do this thing is because we own and we huddle Bitcoin. Um, we're Bitcoin maximalists, right? So uh, by making Bitcoin more decentralized, we're kind of hoping also to to increase and maintain the value proposition of Bitcoin. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I think the way I'd summarize most of that discussion, uh, and obviously agreed on you know your points there, Francis. Uh, I think one way to summarize it is actually what one of our friends, Pierre Rochard, would probably say that Segwit2x kind of movement or proposal was not respecting the decentralized governance process that Bitcoin you know uses where people run their own node and then you have to sort of run your node and hope that everyone else shows up at the same shelling point that you do and and then in terms of summarizing you know what i think the cipher node helps people do is it helps people be on the chain that they want to be on because if they didn't have the ability to run their own node with their own rule set of transaction validation rules then there is a risk then that they would be forced, quote unquote, forced onto a chain that they don't actually want to be on. Um, so let's now talk through a couple example functions that you can do on the Cypher node. So maybe Etienne, you can talk through a few examples. I was looking through the GitHub. There's watch addresses, get TX details. Um, yeah, do you want to go on? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, uh, at first we wanted to uh, to uh, to use. Um, uh, as a client, as uh, being bills and Bitcoin outlet, we, we wanted uh, to to use uh, our pro- own product before even uh, you know uh, publicize it. So um, what we uh, developed first was uh, functions that we needed. So um, uh, in the perspective of you know um, a user that is uh, going to to pay uh, his bill. Uh, with Bitcoin, the thing is, uh, what we need as a as an application like Bills is, uh, you know, generate the, um, a Bitcoin address so that the user can pay on that Bitcoin address, and uh, and we want to to be uh, you know notified when uh, when the the payment uh, comes in. So uh, one of the things we, uh, we first implemented was the, the watch address uh, function. So uh, we want to watch an address and uh, we, we tell CypherNode, hey, call me back when uh, there's a payment on that address with uh, some information about, uh, about your transaction. So uh, we have a system of callbacks. Uh, in CypherNode, that uh, when the payment comes uh, on a watch address, CypherNode says, "Okay, there's a payment there. Uh, what's that payment about? Okay, I'm going to call back uh, the client. Uh, in that case, it's uh, bills, and uh, bills can uh, you know show on the screen display uh, about uh, the the payment that uh, that's been received. So uh, the that callback is uh, important for the the, the zero conf and the one one confirmation uh, uh, transaction. So when the the transaction is confirmed on the block, then uh, we can go ahead w- with uh, our process. Okay. Sure. And then how about uh, interaction with the Lightning network? Is that also possible? Yeah, and it's funny because at first, uh, um, at the beginning, like last year, when we talked about the project, we 
well, the project was not a Cypher node. It was, we just wanted to implement Lightning Network and, and builds and a Bitcoin outlet. So I, um, I presented to Francis uh, my idea of, uh, of a product that would take care of uh, Lightning Network. And actually, uh, that uh, w- with time, with months, uh, became Cypher node. So, uh, and well, we, uh, we decided to, uh, to postpone Lightning Network functionalities uh, a little bit later, but uh, right now it's uh, implemented. There's uh, some functions, basic functions for Lightning Network, like uh, create an invoice and uh, pay. And uh, we want to, to, there's a lot to do, but uh, we want to make sure that when the, there's a payment, uh, a lightning payment coming, we want to be notified also. Um, maybe it would be a, a good idea to kind of uh, also explain like what it actually is, like the, the Docker architecture of CypherNode. It's, it's a little bit technical, but I think it's kind of useful to understand like how we, and this is also uh, the, the technology that we're using, um, uh, Docker, and maybe Itzen can also talk about um, maybe later some of the more technical components. But um, so w- when you're launching CypherNode, like what you're actually doing is you're launching a network of virtual machines. And each virtual machine is running a software set, right? So imagine that uh, you're, and each virtual machine is, is talking to each other and uh, uh, sending uh, data and uh, commands to each other uh, through an encrypted uh, network, right? That, you, that, that you're launching, that you're spawning, for example. And then um, one of the components is Bitcoin Core, is your Bitcoin Core node. One of the components uh, might be your Lightning node. Uh, one of the components might be the open timestamp, like uh, software. Uh, another one might be, uh, we have uh, PyCoin, uh, JavaScript libraries and all those things, and the kind of core of the of what CypherNode is is we call it a the proxy, and that's a a request handler and a request dispatcher, which uh, has a library of like preset functions and some and some uh, uh, database to keep to keep stuff right to to, to know stuff, um, and. Uh, uh, what basically we do is we uh, allow people to send commands to the proxy, say, for example, you know, create me an invoice or, uh, or something. And then within the proxy, that says, okay, so I need to go talk to this software and that software and this software. And there's a, like a, a, a scheduling batching server that I can use. I can talk to this one um, if I want to sign the invoice with a PGP key, um, for example, in uh, in bills, like the typical flow would be, we have a, a hardware wallet um, in which we use uh, uh, we receive the, the coins. The coins are received directly in a hardware wallet. So we take the master public key of that and we we give it to CypherNode and we, we you know we choose the SegWit derivation path. We can choose you know BEC32 or whatever we want, and we tell it, all right, give me an address. Um, you know, so we, you know, that goes to PyCoin, for example, right? That's a PyCoin uh, uh, job. And then, all right, so then uh, we want to watch it. Uh, all right, so send it to the callback server. All right, so we want to sign it with a PGP key. All right, so send the data to, you know, the PGP virtual machine and sign it there and send it back. Um, so that's that's what it is. It's, it, it 
receives like commands and we can program it. You know, we, the idea is to get contributors to uh, code all sorts of commands, right? Um, and we can talk about some of the ones that we're going to do later, um, but any, any kind of command. And then it's going to outsource that job to your own, you know, your own private cloud of, uh, of Bitcoin software that are just, you know, talking to each other. And if you want to add something, well, you know, the way that it's encoded it uh, as an architecture, a lot of the thought, uh, it was a really long thought process for a really simple architecture. But essentially, you just add your, 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 your Docker software. You just add whatever program you want in there. And then uh, uh, you you add a uh, in, uh, an endpoint. You, you add a function. Say all right. So uh, either you you just delegate a task to your software. For example, if we add a, we we added open timestamp, and you can timestamp, verify a timestamp, for example, and get information on a timestamp. Just you know put that in a container, a Docker container, plug it in the network, and through the API we just add three endpoints. You know stamp this hash. Verify this open timestamp certificate and uh, get info on a, on a timestamp, and that's it. So anybody can uh, can add that. So when we like, you know, when it's in creates the the watch address function or or batch function or derive function, that's essentially what we're doing is we're creating these these new uh, uh, d- different sets of actions that are calling uh, the software components. Yeah, I, I really wanted it to be, uh, you know, uh, very easy for contrib- contributors to add modules, add functionalities, and uh, that kind of architecture makes it quite easy to to add the stuff because there's like it's only like pl- pluggable modules that you add and you uh, change or edit or add functionalities to that that proxy that dispatches the request. So uh, we had in mind that. You know, we we wanted to open source something and have contributors to the to the project, so that makes it easier. Fantastic. Okay, let's talk about the process then of setting one up. So I think Francis, you touched on that a little bit with the Docker container image. Maybe if you guys could tell us a little bit about how how would you set one up and what kind of hardware requirements are there? Yeah, the the setting um, the setup of a cipher node is pretty manual for now. Um, you know, I documented all the steps uh, to uh, to 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 make it uh, work uh, completely, but it's um, it's a heavy process, I guess, a heavy procedure. But uh, there's uh, some uh, there's someone com- contributing uh, right now to CypherNode. Uh, his name is SKP. Uh, shout out to him. It's uh, he's he's working uh, hard and. Uh, doing a great job on the installation process. He's um, trying to make it uh, easy and uh, automatic to to install CypherNode uh, anywhere you want. So that will help a lot because uh, it's one of the friction right now for CypherNode, the installation process. And, and just to add on that, so SKP, like huge shout out to this contributor who's been like rocking so many contributions and and lines of code for us so basically what what he's doing like the the ultimate vision and we're not far from there i mean we're we're working on that like it says working on that full time right so i mean we're 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 getting there uh i mean it's a matter of weeks i think before we have uh the final uh vision of the the launch complete but um the idea for me is that i'm not a programmer although although listeners might you know 
think I'm, I am technical, but I am not a programmer. I cannot talk to the machine. And I've always been really frustrated um, when I'm, uh, uh, you know, doing research on open source projects, you know, for example, like Join Market or Electrum. Uh, I want to run my Electrum personal server, but I can't use the command line to save my life. You know, I, I can't, I try to, to, to do those things and I can't. And I know there's a lot of people like me out there. So the idea is that we're going to have this web app, um, which, is, which has been built by a, a company called Lunanode, which is a cloud uh, service provider from Canada. And uh, we hooked them up with a BTC Pay server, and they built that for a BTC Pay server. Um, and, and we're going to reuse it for ourselves, which is like a web app where all you need to do to run this like enterprise-grade stuff is you go on a, a cloud hosting provider. Um, and, and what's funny is, you know, with the promotion that we have, like the referral, you get 20 bucks for free. Um, and then you just take an API key that's in there. You just go in your dashboard and you just generate an API key. You copy paste it. You go back to our web app and you just paste your API key. And then you start the process of launching the Cypher node. And what we do in the back end is after we're done with our like automated install, we can just launch it for you on your own machine. Um, and you know our our vision for for CypherNode, the security model, is hardware wallets. That's that's how we're we're basing uh, our security approach. Is you know keep in line with the modular vision of Bitcoin, which is that you know there's diff you you have to control your keys. You have to uh, uh, validate the blocks yourself and the transactions yourself and broadcast them yourself, but you don't have to do them on the same machine at all. So we use hardware wallets. We're, we are going to use hardware. We don't have it now um, for the security. One of the neat things you can do, for example, with Trezor is when when you're launching your Cypher node through a, a web app, you can actually like hard code uh, the Trezor into Cypher node. So that uh, uh, you can only uh, give commands to Cypher nodes through your Trezor, right? That that's something that that's possible to do, which prevents uh, us, for example, uh, or Luna Node, basically from uh, from tampering with your with your stuff. Um, so all of that done through like a, like a, a web UI, right? Um, and then when you you know we already have that in command line. When you're launching it, um, the the configurations that you want they're manual, because you know programmers and product designers tend to forget that you know some users they do want to manually edit the configs. And sure, I'll add an Electrum server to my uh, Cypher node, or oh yeah, sure, I'll 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 add this time stepping functionality, and uh, I wanted to do this and that. I want uh, the the password to be this. I want uh, the batching schedule to be this. Like this is the stuff that a lot of people can't do themselves. They need a programmer to do. So we want to have that all, you know, in a graphical user interface, as we say. So that's that's the kind of, the, and then the ultimate end goal is that, you know, you click a button and then it launches your Cypher node. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I was going to say, to answer your question about uh, hardware requirements, uh, we, um, I'm, I always have in mind that I want to, to be able to run it on a Raspberry Pi. So I know it's like a little bit cliche, but well, it makes sense. And um, so uh, it's uh, really tiny. It's really uh, lightweight. Uh, 
I, uh, right now, I'm running a full Cypher node, including uh, the Bitcoin node, on a server that has like two gigs of RAM and uh, 20 gigs of disk. And, uh, you know, it costs like five bucks per month to be able to run the whole Cypher node. Excellent. So it's very cheap to run. I presume that's then in uh, pruned mode, but obviously still fully validating. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about the security on this then. So I like I like the point you were mentioning before, Francis, around using a hardware wallet, and it's it's sort of reminiscent of offline signing with Armory. Yeah, that's that that's uh, definitely part of the uh, of the um, uh, of the security. Well, the security approach is multiple angles. Like security is not a binary thing. Um, so there is a, it's in all. I'll let you talk about that for sure. Like there is the uh, the Docker network swarm security aspect of it, um, which is very crucial and that we realized. And then maybe to take a step back, um, my approach to security and ITSEN's approach to security is that if you're a junior web developer um, or you're anyone who's an integrator uh, in software development, like... You know, you can build an app these days with just like you launch like some JavaScript framework, you plug a few APIs, and then in like you know two days, you know you have an app, right, that you can prototype or something. And uh, to take a step back even further, through through the whole years of me advising startups and participating in hackathons, like I do all these things, uh, I, I, you know, meetups and stuff and workshops, I realized that the the junior devs. Um, when they choose a tech, like an API or something, they usually stick with it for a long time. Like people don't tend to, to change their practices. Um, if it ain't broken, don't fix it type of mentality. And they just kind of move on. So security for me is that a junior dev should be able to not like worry about the security and not be, uh, and you should also be able to hire a, a foreign consultant for example, remotely, um, and and not have to trust him, right? So the the security model is a lot of it is based on the authentication between whoever is controlling the, the network and the network, and part of that is uh, um, offline signing. So one of the really good things that just recently came out in Bitcoin Core is uh, partially signed Bitcoin transactions, BIP one seventy four. And what that finally allows us to do is to um, ask the Bitcoin Core software, which is connected to the, the network and has the blockchain, and he has uh, what we call the unspent transaction output set. Uh, so that's a key component of you know, running your own full node, is that when you're creating a transaction in Bitcoin, um, you, you, know, you know that certain inputs have this amount of money and, and that they exist uh, because you have the blockchain, because, because you have them. Um, and then Bitcoin Core can like, you know, create this, uh, this neat new file format um, and send it, you know, securely somewhere else uh, that has software. That can be, uh, in our case, that's going to be the cold card device uh, by, you know, Rodolfo Novak and, and Peter Gray uh, from CoinKite. So that's a huge part of the a huge part of the security is that or you know or Trezor for example or or a Trezor hardware or a Ledger hardware and again we'll only need to add a, 
a Docker piece, and that's what we have. Um, so that, that that's a huge component. Um, and you know, it's in. Uh, do you want to go deeper into uh, also the security of the uh, of the network? Yeah, sure. You know, of course, there's still uh, we still have the the hot wallet. So uh, it, we we take. Um, uh, we put a lot of importance on on the the cold wallet stuff, but uh, for the convenience, we need a hot wallet. So uh, the thing is, well, you know, it's it's more easy for a, a thief a, a thief to to get in the house if there's twenty doors. If there's only one door, it's maybe it's easier to to secure it. So that's how we we uh, we did it. Uh, Cipher node. Uh, doesn't publish any port anywhere uh, outside of Docker, inside the, uh, outside of the swarm, which is uh, an encrypted over the swarm swarm uh, network. So um, the only uh, port that ex- that is published uh, or exposed is the um, API port, uh, the HTTPS uh, TLS uh, port. So um, and it should be actually it should not be uh, exposed to the the public internet because how we see cyphernode it should be used uh, it, it should be used as personal you know a piece of software so um, it should be inside your LAN and then uh, even if it's in, inside your LAN it should be encrypted because there's people on your LAN uh, even if you are inside uh, of a company there's employees that could sniff the packets or anything. So, uh, and we actually also want to have a, an API key uh, that will secure all the accesses of uh, of Cipher Node. So everything is secure. And you know, at first uh, we wanted to distribute Cipher Node everywhere. Like uh, when you're using a Docker Swarm, you you can uh, you know uh, spawn the swarm the swarm between a lot of servers around the world. So it can it is possible to do it uh, because the 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 overly network is uh, is encrypted but uh, by default the installation is going to be on the same machine for convenience for cost reduction and also it's uh, easier to uh, to secure um, Etienne maybe you want to tell us a little bit about in the process of creating the cipher node software what other projects were you able to leverage code from yeah one of the one of the concepts i wanted to to you know to to apply is uh, I, I i want to make the less possible code myself i want to to use a um you know piece of code that is working and that has you know uh um experience in in the world so yeah. So um, why code when it exists? Why uh, code an HTTP client inside a program instead of using like curl in uh, in Unix or Linux? Uh, or uh, you know, there's a there's a the cron tab that that works perfectly for all the schedule stuff. Uh, I'm not going to implement a new scheduler myself if it exists and uh, you know it's been working for the last 30 years so i guess it's a great 
uh, piece of uh, of software. So I'm going to use it. Uh, I'm going to use a um, built-in uh, functionality into the in, in the Linux shells. Like uh, I don't I don't know. You know, there's the cut uh, tr uh, uh, curl is not it's not built-in, but it's uh, you know piece of software software that comes with uh, the OS and are well uh, documented and uh, have uh, you know communities uh, that take care of everything. So I wanted to use all those uh, tools into uh, in CypherNode. The other thing I thought that the listeners would like to hear is just a discussion around what's coming down the pipeline in the future with CypherNode in terms of new features. So for example, things like address identification validation, PayNIM integration, Electrum personal server. Do you guys want to just outline some thoughts there? Yeah, yeah, sure. So like CypherNode is really at the beginning. Um, it is definitely, uh, so what we're going to do first is release what we call the 0.1 version. So right now, CypherNode, like what's public right now is is what we're using. Like it's working. Like it's been working for, I don't know, it's in like uh, three months, maybe? we really- Yeah, maybe more. Maybe more for three and six months, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, for sure. And then, yeah, yeah, it was working a while back. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, but like the current version now, it's it's perfectly fine. However, um, what we were missing is like that automated installation and uh, uh, public API uh, authentication system, um, which it's in, has recently merged in and the installation is going to merge in. So we're going to like announce like a first release, uh, which is going to be packaged on uh, Docker Hub. Um, that means that it's like easy to install um, and it's like officially signed. Um, but the major feature uh, uh, that's coming uh, is the user interface. So the, the, the vision is that CypherNode is also a wallet because it's a way to remote control Bitcoin Core and other stuff. But like, let's just using Bitcoin Core as an example. So if you can control like Bitcoin Core and send it commands, you can say send Bitcoins here or there. And my vision is that the Bitcoin wallets as they exist now, should not like I don't like the way that that it's that has been implemented because the way that I see it, like you generate your keys on secure hardware like your Trezor or your your call card or whatever. Um, that's one part of the wallet, and the other part of the wallet is um, you know broadcasting and looking at the blockchain. Um, so we're gonna like build a UI which is kind of like a web wallet, um, uh, an explorer, um, and like an all the functions that we want, like the open timestamps component. And it's also going to be the, the administrator dashboard for the API. And like, you know, we're going to, uh, we have a lot of like specs in mind that are cool, like, you know, uh, mem- mempool stats and graphs. Um, we found uh, SKP built a super neat, uh, like lightning network viewer where you can like click on like nodes and stuff uh, connected to your own node. Like, so you get the data and stuff from your own node. And also, like, just a wallet interface, right? Because you can click send or receive, and you can view your, your transactions by, by con- contacting remotely your, your CypherNode with your UI. So this stuff, basically, what it's going to be is going to be packaged in. So when you launch CypherNode, it launches this web app on the same server, or, well, in the same Docker Swarm. Um, and then uh, the vision that I have 
uh, is like like BTC Pay, for example, you can put your own domain name for it if you want, or you type in your IP in your browser, and uh, you plug in your your Trezor, and you you connect to to your dashboard, and you know you log in with your with your Trezor authentication. There's like a little little program that you know it, it, you just look at your Trezor and it says like, do you want to log into CypherNode? Then you just like, press the button. It's really neat, um, and then uh, and then you're there, and then you can uh, you know send bitcoins. It's it's a it's your self-hosted uh, web wallet, so that's that's a key component that's gonna make it useful for for you and I, right? For for everyday people, you you have your Trezor and instead of going on Trezor.io or instead of going on you know your 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 Samurai wallet or something, or you just go on your your own self-hosted app. Yeah, and I like the idea there that you can, you know, some of these apps are setting up, like, for example, Samurai Wallet has a feature called Trusted Node, uh, and I think other applications have a similar one where, you know, perhaps you can get to a future where you use your Cypher Node as your Trusted Node. Absolutely. So my idea is also to look at these open source wallets, um, and Samurai is a great example. Like, I think uh, it's N and I like to think that um, we're... There is some kind of like a cypherpunk, I think, um, renaissance, if you want to call it that, in Bitcoin. Um, and it's really cool. Like there's projects out there. Uh, the ones that we like a lot are Samurai, uh, BTC Pay. Nicolas Dorier is uh, a true legend, uh, a hero of Bitcoin for sure. Um, there's, uh, I like Wasabi Wallet also and all, all sorts of projects. Um, and I, you know, I, I, there's a, a no wallet, for example, a, a, a secure brain wallet uh, uh, app. And then we can plug these all to a CypherNode backend because a lot of these have a, a hard time to do all the functions of Bitcoin. Uh, one of the ones that's usually not seen is to fetch the unspent transaction output set uh, for the wallet to be able to create transactions. And usually... Um, they will like have a centralized API, like just for, for that part. Um, and when you're when you're like uh, broadcasting, you can check the blockchain um, using your trusted node. But to to craft transactions, usually there's uh, also another API involved. Um, so yeah, we want to replace all of that for sure, and connect to uh, and connect to these these existing projects. Fantastic. I think I really like this uh, project. It sounds like it's very, again, as we were saying, it's very in line with the Bitcoin ethos. But one area that I, you know, I do ask a question or a question comes to mind is, look, so because the code is open source, because you're not kind of clipping the ticket on things, how do you make it sustainable from a revenue point of view? Or is it just seen more like, you know, Bitcoin companies should just try to support this sort of you know, development on the side? That that's that's a good question. Um, well, you know, first things first is like we do need to to develop Bitcoin software as part of our apps. Uh, whether uh, and it's not really just at this at the level where we're at um, in bills, for example, we are processing a lot of like Bitcoin payments. Um, this is an expense that people should do regardless. So a lot of the work that it's in is doing, um, you know certainly would have taken a lot less time if we didn't plan on open sourcing it but we a lot of the work we would have had to do ourselves because um in the in, in the kind of business vision it's not like optional 
to control your own Bitcoin node and your own Bitcoin keys. Like that's that's the that's the fundamental first principle of Bitcoin. And if you forget that, and like you can't that you can't just like do something and then forget it for years. Like that's something you need to maintain. Um, and then uh, I mean uh, the project is pretty much out of pocket. Um, so there's no immediate plans to monetize it. Uh, and the decision to do that was just that we're, we're very busy at Bills and Bitcoin Outlet to do our, our like our, our startup, you know, our, our, our uh, payments and exchange. We, you know, we have a, an, you know, it's basically an automated uh, arbitrage operation that we run in Canada. Uh, so we don't really have time to like monetize CypherNode. So we just like, okay, let's, let's, let's just open source it. And, um, and uh, it's uh, like a, you know, kind of like a legacy project for, for Etienne and I, right? Etienne has been in Bitcoin for a long time and so, so have I. And we were like, all right, let's, uh, let's do something uh, that, uh, that people are going to really like and that's going to last a long time. Excellent. Okay. So listeners, you can find the site at satoshiportal.com and you can follow the guys on Twitter. So Etienne is Kexkey, K-E-X-K-E-Y. And Francis is, you know, his name, Francis Pouliot underscore. Um, so guys, maybe just as a closing comment, maybe just tell the listeners, you know, where should they go if they want to learn more? And maybe if there's any tips for a user of Siphonode. Well, I guess the first uh, place to go is would be the GitHub uh, uh, repo of CypherNode, uh, where we uh, we have a lot of documentations and uh, what we we what's our vision and what we uh, uh, the next features that we want, uh, how to contribute. Uh, we know we are not the best. Uh, for everything so we need all the best people everywhere in the world so just join the party and you know contribute to to it uh so there's also the um, well francis is going to to commit soon the the manifesto uh that is uh, pretty pretty interesting also huh right yeah um and uh and uh so yeah, cipher. We have the the like cyphernode.io, and there's a. I'm not sure if I put the Slack group uh, up there yet, but uh, we we also started a, a Slack channel, um, and uh, yeah, that's just uh, uh, go on there, and uh, if you want some features in, if you want if you want to chat, um, in terms of sustainability of the project, um, you know, it's an and I. We, Eventually, when we're when we have a, a little bit more time in the in the few uh, coming weeks w- weeks or months, um, we plan on trying to do uh, workshops. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of the approach of uh, uh, Bitcoin Uptech, um, which is by uh, uh, John Newberry from uh, Chaincode, which is the idea is to kind of have a a consulting service, if you like, um, which helps Bitcoin companies or, or Rather, which helps like institutions or or large uh, Bitcoin stakeholders uh, to run their own nodes using CypherNode um, and to kind of uh, uh, audit and check their their Bitcoin setup um, and to suggest to them ways to, for example, uh, have more scalable uh, practices like Open Timestamp. For example, a lot of companies they just use uh, OP Return. That means that. They are, uh, you know, ineffectively using the blockchain in essence, not to take too much time to explain. Um, so 
there's also a possibility if if uh, if businesses or people in the industry that are listening uh, like the project and want to uh, to contribute, um, I think we're gonna kind of start to do a, an internship program, maybe um, maybe looking for some funding to hire uh, a full time contributor uh, or that kind of stuff. So um, you know, uh, my my uh, DMs are open on Twitter. Uh, we have a contact at satoshiportal.com uh, email for, for anybody that uh, maybe wants to integrate it in their app and would like, uh, you know, I think uh, we'd love to help people to, uh, to install it and test it and uh, uh, get their feedback. Like we, we developed this stuff uh, with iterative feedback loops. So we need users, <laughs> you know, and uh, if it's still too hard to install, we, we can help. Oh, and actually, last question. Um, when is it launching? Uh, just to remind the audience. Um, well, it's already it's already launched. Uh, it's just maybe a little bit uh, uh, difficult to to grasp. So the the kind of uh, uh, out of the box uh, version, uh, which is much easier to run. Uh, it's in. When do you think we're gonna launch it? Well, I hope uh, by the end of the month. Of the month. So uh, we have a lot of testing to do, and uh, you know, uh, make it make some make something complex be easy is is a challenge. So yeah, so that's so maybe like a week or two or something like that. Okay, excellent. Well, we'll just say kind of late October, early November. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. Uh, thank you very much, Francis and Etienne, for coming on the show. Been a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much, Stefan. I hope you found the discussion with Francis and Etienne interesting. That was definitely a more technical discussion, but I trust that you guys are smart cookies and you were able to follow along for most of it. Anyway, the ability to use a Cypher node for conducting your own business without placing unnecessary reliance on external third-party services or APIs is very much in line with the Bitcoin ethos. At the very least, it provides another option. It's also cool how it's modular and could someday be paired up with other Bitcoin products and services, such as a Trezor for hardware wallet signing of transactions. Or perhaps you might use a mobile Bitcoin wallet and point it towards your own Cypher node. I think of it as a cool piece of business infrastructure that will help Bitcoin businesses be more self-reliant and help individuals maintain their monetary sovereignty. If you have any feedback or suggestions for episodes, come find me on Twitter at Stefan Levera. My DMs are open. As usual, if you haven't already, please just take 30 seconds out to give my show an Apple iTunes review. Five-star reviews really help me out. Thanks, guys. See you next time.